Welcome into the At The Yard podcast. We've got a full show for you today. Ryan Ozella and Blaine Clemens will join me as we break down the NorCal Pro Case held at Delta College in Stockton. Stay tuned for that show. Welcome back to the At The Yard Podcast. We're throwing a change up here. I'm bringing in two guys at the same time, so we're going to really dive into the NorCal Pro Case. I'm pumped to be joined by NorCal Area Scout Ryan Ozella and NorCal Director of Scouting Blaine Clemens. Fellas, coming off of the NorCal Pro Case on Sunday over at Delta College, we're going to dive deep into this thing here over the course of this podcast, but just wanted to get your initial impressions uh, before we go too deep. And Ryan Good, we'll start with you on just the event itself. I mean, first off, I think we we all know that Delta is a great college to go to, and the uh, the facilities fantastic. And uh, I definitely think it was one of those events where the guys were excited. Um, the turnout was great. We had a great set of you know MLB scouts, colleges. Um, everyone wanted to see this group of players. Uh, and the guys were excited about it. And uh, I was excited too, because you could just feel that energy from everyone out there and um, it gets you, uh, gets you ready for the day. Yeah, no doubt. I, I agree with that. Blaine, what, what, what's your take on that? My, yeah, it was, uh, the energy was good. The kids, uh, I was on the field a lot with them, organizing some, some things during the day. Um, heard a lot of their conversations uh, just saw their, their friendships, you know, that's their, their, their prospects and they're all trying to, you know, be seen by, you know, by the, by pro baseball for uh, purposes of next June's draft. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of these kids that have been in similar things, whether they're bigger events with more players or select things like uh, we had the other day, but there's a lot of friendships that have formed over the last couple of years between these kids, uh, many of these kids, and there's new friendships that form as well too. So, um, you know, I was just proud that we put together, you know, an event, we had a goal, um, to, to, you know, I, we had promised some scouts in the area that this is what we we're going to try and bring to them a certain caliber of player, certain specific players. Um, and we promised the players and some advisors and some parents on the other side that we were going to, we were going to bring in a hefty, hefty number of our area guys to get a look at them you know, before the summer went on. So I think when it was all said and done, that was, uh, you know, we delivered on both sides of that we delivered to the players, uh, advisors, parents. We also delivered to the scouts. Yeah, it was a uh, very well attended event. And Ryan, you mentioned the college scouts. Uh, you know, full disclosure, uh, I think you know we benefited a little bit from the transition there at St. Mary's. Uh, you know, obviously with Coach Valenzuela taking being announced that he took the Long Beach job the day before. A lot of we had what I think it was six six St. Mary's commits there, and and so that brought in uh, a lot of college coaches as well. Uh, but even the guys that were previously uncommitted, the Omar Placentias of the world, uh, those guys showed very, very well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think you mentioned one name in, uh, in Placentia. Another one that I saw that I really liked was Jariah Lewis. Um, Trevin Crowley was another guy who's uncommitted who I was really impressed with. Um, you know, those guys were all right there ready, and, and they saw those college guys ready and um, you know, I think they did a great job of going out and putting forth their best best effort to try and uh, showcase the talents so that they could, you know, not be uncommitted for very much longer. And it was and it was and it was fine to have some, the college coaches there. Obviously, a lot of a lot of them are going to peek through just to, you know, in case a kid does decommit. But you know, less than full disclosure, you know, obviously we we gained some interest from the St. Mary's decommits. But on the flip side of it, this was I didn't contact any of the college guys about it. Uh, this was specifically, you know, to the, to the players and their parents, you know, what Jariah Lewis. And I talked to his mother when I recruited him to come and, and Crowley, this was, this was an event, uh, for their pro profiles. This was an event to, you know, raise their profile for the area code trial game. This was, this was a pro specific, um, workout for them. And, and if the college guys wanted to come through, that was, that was great. And some took advantage of it without a doubt. Um, you know, it's quite interesting that, you know, coach Wazikowski was there as a, as you know, as a coach of uh, one school. And then, you know, we know that coach was, is now um, uh, back at Oregon. Um, so he was there, you know, looking to, to see what's happening on our West coast when he's been away for a while. So it was, it was nice that a couple of those guys came through, uh, you know, Dave Long uh, came through a little bit and, uh, you know, got to look at some players, um, you know, one of which is going to his school, Nick York, um, maybe just checking up on Nick York status. You know, Nick had an arm, arm situation during the springtime that he's still, he's still coming back from. So I'm sure coach Long wanted to just get a look at his, uh, one of the, the really the most outstanding 2020s in the state. 
Yes, no, no argument there, man. We'll dive into that here uh, in in a bit. And uh, you know, you touched on it there—the transition on the college coaches—and we're going to veer off path here a little bit. And because I'm sure you guys are hearing it as much as I am, just you know what's going on on the West Coast, and you know the the trickle down effect to recruits is is really something else. And I think that's the part that kind of gets lost in all of this, and it's. You know, now you have, uh, you know, in cases of some of these guys committed for two, three years, and, you know, now they they don't have a commitment, um, you know, or are deciding to decommit going into the summer of their senior year. I mean, that's a tough position to be in. It is. It is. It's it's part, and I guess it's just an unavoidable thing if, if recruiting is going to be what it is, that, you know, the earlier, earlier kids do it. Um, you know, as a former college uh, recruiting coordinator um, at USF years ago, it's, it's forever ago, but the, the principles haven't changed. Uh, the, when you're recruiting a player, there's one thing, you, you, it doesn't work this way, it doesn't seem, but the one thing you try to impress upon them is that we understand players commit to coaching staffs, right? I mean, that is ultimately um, what they commit to, but there's a lot of factors. Uh, and the one thing coaches should let players know, and hopefully they do, is that, you know, commit to the school. There's no guarantee that two years into my job, one year into your tenure here that I'm not let go or I don't take another job. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's gotta be disclosure on the side of, of the, of the recruiters and then the parents and the players have to understand that yes, it, things may change. And then if they have as, as recently they did, and it's not new, right? Last every, every year about this time of year, um, things are going on. People are at the yeah. area code games angling for jobs. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, there's 100%. a lot of people. The area code, there's a lot of people there looking, you know, looking at players, but more than half are there angling for jobs. Yeah, whether it's pro scouts or college coaches, right? Yeah. I mean, it's guys that are just they're out there trying to be visible, and 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 you're right, angling for a job. I mean, that's the time of year. But uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to get your take on that, Blaine, because obviously you you've sat in that seat and you you've been there, and and you know, getting that sort of insight is is always helpful and i mean for me it's always interesting i can listen to you talk about that stuff all day but let's transition over to the norcal pro case and uh you know let's start with the roster i mean the roster that was assembled for this thing i mean if you look at it from the outside looking in i mean it was it was pretty darn impressive right i mean uh you know michael brown uh tommy troy guys you mentioned uh, andrew neal uh, Omar Placentia, this guy that was uncommitted, Daniel Suzak. I mean, we'll dive into these guys. Let, let, let's get into the the composition of the roster, Blaine. What was kind of, you know, what was the approach there? Were you just angling to get as many of the top dogs as possible, or are you? Yeah, sure. uh, <laughs> you know, when we floated the idea that we were going to, you know, not the idea. This is this is a PBR staple in in, in states across the country. Um, this this event perspective and. And when we identified when we were going to, you know, hold the event, and um, you know, after the draft, uh, you know, you, you did yours, you know, uh, your, you did the Southern California one on on June eighth, and we followed up the next day, so you and Rody could be up here. But you know, the idea was when I talked to the scouts, and you know, initially I went and got buy, I went and got buy-in from, I would say, um, you know, we've got some godfathers in the scouting community uh, that have been around for you know, for a couple of decades, uh, if not longer, in Northern California, and so I, and these are people that I was colleagues with. Um, for a brief time uh, and have known, you know, just in the game for a long time. So I, I went to them and said, you know, we have an idea to do this on this date and here are the players, you know, that I'm going to, I'm going to work to uh, have attend for you guys to see them in a very short controlled, what was about five hours or so um, environment, um, relaxed, uh, but productive. I said, if we can do this, are you guys in? And the response I got was uh, absolutely. Yeah. If you can do that. And then they started asking like, which guys are you going after? <laughs> and I said, I said, you know, we said, make, we, it, make it worth our while, right? Yeah, we have a we, we have a great 2020 class in Northern California. It's going to be as strong as the class we've had in Northern California in a number of years. Well, let and, me let me, jump, let me let, let me jump in because I was at the tournament on Thursday and Friday, and I, I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. But I was there last week, and I was talking to a coach whose school recruits Northern California heavily. And he dropped it on me saying that he thought that NorCal, from a depth standpoint, you know, not at the top, but from a de- yeah. overall depth standpoint, might be stronger in the 20 class than SoCal. Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, there's been years over, you know, 
historically where that's been the case. I mean, generally speaking, yeah, it's going to be deeper in, in the southern part of the state, but there have been years where it's been that way here. And, and even, even at the top, I understand that, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, we have the number one player in the state in Southern California and Jared, uh, Jared Jones. And, but when this thing rolls around in next June and, and Chase Davis wasn't able to attend, he was, he was coming, but then I got a, a you know, a call from his, I advised that he was committed to a USA breakthrough series and had to be out of town for that. But beyond that, we went to Michael Brown. We went to Kyle Harrison was a, was a big key to this whole thing. Um, having Kyle attend, uh, and be seen, you know, before he took, took to an airplane to go do uh, another event. Um, uh, Nick York was a really, really important player to have there for the scouts. Petey Halpin was super important to have there. And Daniel Susak was honestly one of the first ones I went through because there are other players that, uh, other the players that will gravitate towards. So, um, you say at the top, like Chase Davis and Kyle Harrison uh, and Daniel, uh, maybe one or two others could find themselves in the top 50 in the draft next year, if not higher. Yeah, no doubt. When you look at the rosters, uh, when you combine the two rosters, I want to say there was close to oh, 70 players close to there, give or take, you know, a couple here, here, there. Uh, when you look at those 70 guys, I mean, you know, there's you could make an argument for at least a half dozen of those guys being, you know, top 100 picks, which is uh, I have no know, doubt pretty, about it. Yeah, pretty awesome, if not more, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive. And that's the other thing, right? That we we wanted to really keep this event at, at that 30 to 35 number, rather than just kind of you know making this a huge deal uh, in terms of uh, uh, you know, oversaturation. Uh, so that you know that that to me, given the you know that figure of I think it was sixty seven was the total number between the mm-hmm. two events. Uh, given that figure, the amount of talent between the two events uh, w- was incredible. So let's dive into some some leaders. Just looking at the stats from the event, uh, you know, guys started by running the sixty. A lot of guys chose to do it twice, which I found interesting. Um, and and you know, there was a guy there uh, who I hadn't seen in a while. Headed to Stanford, Ryan. Who, uh, I mean, he just lit it up on the sixty. Yeah, Tommy Troy, man. He uh, he's a guy that I saw a lot during the spring, and uh, he's continued to make strides in his game. And, and his speed is definitely one of those things that's a standout tool for him. And he showed it off with that the sixty. I think he ran a six seven two. Um, you know, I had him on a hand time at six six. Um, so that's one of those ones where you know he, the speed's elite right there for him, and he can use it on the base pass. Yeah, and I think, Blaine, you mentioned it last week on the podcast when we previewed the Pro Case. One of the neat things about the event is your our, our ability as those that are running the event is to be on the field, go in the dugout, talking with kids and shooting the breeze, getting to know their personalities a little bit. And this is a guy who I took advantage of doing that, and, and I, I'm a big fan. I think Stanford is getting a really, really good one if and you know he decides to go that route. I mean, you look at his other numbers. I mean, he had an infield velo of 91, an exit velo of 95, really good at bats during the game. I thought uh, just one of those guys who's going to have a, a chance at the next level. He was he was really good in the dugout too. As I'm over there organizing the rotations and playing and this that the other, he would come in and talk. You know, after at bats, he punched out one of his at bats, but it was a long at bat. He he, he fouled a pitch straight back and. Uh, darn near knocked over our camera there, but he came in and was talking to the guys. Like, Man, I missed my pitch. I had it. I had it. You know, it's just it's fun to be around these kids that they don't live and die on every single opportunity right now. Um, he's got his college commitment to you couldn't pick a better place in the world than Stanford. Um, it's funny. I texted Tom Eager, you know, was it yesterday the day before. I said, man, you got a heck of a player. Actually, I said, you got a hell of a player. And Tommy Troy goes, uh, yeah, we think we got a special one. I said, from what we saw the other day, you definitely do. But uh, yeah. special talent, obviously the numbers show that he's got physical tools, right? That's, that's three plus tools that showed up. But this is the makeup component, the dugout component, um, the competitive component. So, yeah, I was, I'd not been around him uh, in that environment. Um, that was, he was really eye-opening for me. One of the things I really was impressed with, too, was during the game, he got on base the first at bat with a walk and then stole second, stole third, uh, throw, you know, went past the third baseman and easily came home. Um, that's the type of stuff he does during the season as well. So, you know, it's good to see that type of stuff translate from the, the in games to um, the tools that being out there as well. Yeah, you know, Ryan, remind, I, I, the, Ryan, did, didn't that happen? Like, didn't that that was to lead off the game, wasn't it? Yeah, that, he was, just, that yeah. was early in the game. 
Yeah, he battled a couple pitches, took a good walk, and then, you know, it was quick. It was one of those ones, and, you know, we, we're talking about a good group of roster here. The guys that were behind the plate were no slouches in any way, shape, or form, and he, he you know, took second base, took third base, uh, and made it, you know, kind of a, a fun show for for him and what he can do. Yep, yep. He came in, the, yeah, he hit in the second inning against, uh, against Nichols, but, you know, Les, you asked a little bit ago about the makeup of the roster and certain guys, and obviously we've understood that most most kids, this is not 100%, but committed to Stanford, end up going to school, right? But these guys will also, he'll be in the area draft eligible if he doesn't sign out of high school. He'll be again draft eligible in 2022. Um, 21. Yeah. Uh, 20, 23. 23, yeah. 23. So, you know, you watch him and you think of an, a player a couple years ago as a first-round pick of the Cubs last year, Nico Horner. Really yeah. similar player. Yeah. Really similar player. I mean, not just the tools, not just the speed. Uh, Size-wise, he's a little shorter than Nico, um, but built well, built strong, sturdy, durable around the bag, but he's got burst, he's got athleticism, uh, he's got bat talent. I mean, the makeup, the intelligence. So I'm watching him thinking like, man, this is their next Nico Horner. Yeah, he's he, he was... <laughs> he he was something else, man, and and he started it. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was one of the first two guys to run too. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he he just was that guy that what wanted to be, you know, the kind of the first guy. It was that competitiveness, right? That just I want to be the first guy to do this, and and uh, he seemingly was when it, every time we transition uh, into something else. So let's take a look at. Uh, uh, another guy that really stood out for me, who I had not seen uh, in in a long, a long time, uh, probably, gosh, going on a year and a half now, uh, maybe longer than that, uh, and that's Petey Halpin, uh, the outfielder from St. Francis. And I mean, like you said, Ryan, he came out, ran a six nine five, you know, uh, had a ninety three exit velo, and then he put up, showed off the arm a little bit. He didn't let it loose, but he showed off the arm a little bit with the. The outfield velo of 91. I mean, it's accurate. It's on the bag. Uh, he, again, Ryan, this is a guy that you've seen quite a bit this spring. Yeah, I mean, this, the CCS Focus guys, they they all came out and showed real well. And, uh, you know, PD was another one that, you know, in center field for St. Francis all year, knocking down balls, taking them all out. Uh, the arm was one of the ones that was a surprise to me. I knew he could run. I knew there was pop in the bat. Um, I'd always seen the arm and been, it's a good arm. It's strong. Uh, but 91 was not something I was expecting on that. And uh, he definitely, like you said, he puts it on the bag. Uh, he's definitely a guy that's tooled up and UCLA is getting a good product out of him right there. They are. He was one of the players that, uh, when I talked to those scouts early on, they said, Hey, you know, is, is, uh, is he on your list? And I said, yep, we're, we're making it, we're making an effort and, and that we were super glad to have him out there. And he's another one. I'll just talk to, you know, being over there in the dugout with him. He's, he's an interesting kid, man. He's a relaxed kid. Um, and in a, in a positive way, like he's a competitive son of a gun on the field, but when the game's not going on, he's, he's relaxed. He's a little bit chill, uh, in a, in a super good way. Um, he talks like he might be hanging out in Santa Cruz and, 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 you know, might get a surfboard someday. And it's a really fun, he's a really fun person. He's a really fun personality. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to, um, uh, get, get flustered by, by too much. Uh, obviously when he, when he walked into, uh, the, the facility there at Delta, a lot of the kids noticed him and, and came over and, uh, and met him and greeted him. So obviously well liked amongst his peers. Um, but yeah, when, when, when it comes time to compete, he digs in and, and, and that's a, that is that's super fun. Um, just understanding that there's you know you don't as hard as the game is and as hard as they're competing to you know separate themselves in a draft. We're talking about potentially millions of dollars. Um, that that once once they're not in there, you know again uh, just the personality comes through. And you know when that time comes next year uh, in in the draft reports, like tools are tools and people get OFPs put in and all that kind of stuff. But that makeup component, man, the makeup component is it's always been and always will be the separator for which guys the scouts really hang um, their names on. Uh, and when you've got a guy that you really believe in and you can trust that this, this personality, this, this, uh, this manner of going about the business, uh, like he does, like Tommy, like a number of these kids, and we'll talk about a bunch of them, Kyle Harrison, um, it's, it's, it's a real big plus for them. Yeah, I think to go with what you were talking about, Blay, with his, you know, the being that relaxed, uh, one of the things I loved was, you know, his early in the BP, he was a little out front, a little his timing was off, uh, but he made a great adjustment and got back to being on par. Uh, and from there was, you know, smoking balls into the right field gap over the fence. Uh, it was one of those ones that I just thought that kind of goes to what you were talking about with the being relaxed. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he, 
Yeah, I, and I like what we did there with the BP, right? It was what? It was uh, three rounds of five or six or something? Six, yeah, three rounds uh, of six, yeah. Three, three rounds of six, so it gave guys that opportunity to make that adjustment like uh, like Halpin did there. And, and uh, you know, it was it was pretty neat because your buddy there, uh, Mikey, you know, he, that, that's, a, that's, a quick, that's a quick arm there on the BP. Yeah, yeah, Mike. Mike's one that we've always known. He's he's as good as I've got, as good as I've ever seen. Uh, but he does throw it a little stiff, especially. So I've had him throw events with 150 players, and he's done. He's gone wire to wire six teams. He's thrown I don't know what the number is. It's like 1,400 throws in a day before, like without. He's usually not warm until about 700 throws, <laughs> and, and he comes out a little bit stiff. But I mean, Ryan's observed this now in a couple of different events we've had where Mike has been uh, our VP throwers that. Players that have good timing, players that can make those adjustments, you see it happen against Mike because he throws from a fairly short distance. And, you know, some BP guys are pretty standard 34, 35 miles an hour. I had a guy come out last year from Stockton um, who's a good BP thrower. But he knows exactly what his velocity is. He tells me before he comes out what he throws. And Mike's (laughs) Mike's definitely quicker than that. But but the players that can get their foot down and get ready to go because he throws strikes. it, it, it's kind of illuminating uh, those that that really have good lower half timing when they're hitting against Mike. Yeah, they can. You can definitely see the ball jumps off their bat when they get into it. Um, and like you said, I love the fact that we had three rounds of BP. Guys can make adjustments. Uh, you can see some of those guys working a little bit through spraying the field. You know, some guys starting early in the, the first round going oppo. Second round they would go to the pull side, and the third round they let it loose and tried to you know try to mash a little bit more. Yeah, and that's them understanding, right? That that is the process of a professional BP round. Um, maybe area codes. I remember a couple of years back. You know, if, if if you guys either you guys were there, unless you probably were when Mike Stanton um, finished his round. Uh, it was, it was as this guy, it was, it was, let it eat, you know, let it eat, move the ball, show us you got bat speed, show us you have bat control. But then that last round, if you've got some, let's see it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we saw that a little bit from, from a few guys. And, and one of the guys that I hadn't seen who I was, I, we talked about on the preview, uh, Nick Kreesnack, uh, I hadn't seen since last summer at the area codes. Uh, he, man, that guy, he looks the part, right? I mean, physical, Ran you know fairly well a seven three four. Not sure that that it's his best time uh, that he's capable of, but uh, you know ninety three exit velo. Uh, you know an accurate arm with with some from you know with with decent arm strength at eighty two and I mean, some good at bats. But gosh, he was just peppering balls over that fence during BP. Man, that guy he looks the part, doesn't he? Yeah, he Nick Nick's fun. Um, He's another. You know, he's not a real loud guy. He's he's a quietly confident kid. But in the, all the games I've seen him play, and I've seen him play a number of games, in the reports that I've written, one thing that kind of I, I hope I've written, I, I believe I have, is that uh, he's an, he's he's like an old school RBI man. Yeah. Um, he he's gonna drive in runs. He's gonna hit a ground ball through the right side with two strikes to to move a runner or drive a guy in. He'll 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 take his swings early in the count. He'll let it live a little bit. But as the account as the bat bat goes on. Uh, as the game situation dictates, um, he is extremely impressive in that he knows what his job is uh, on on the field. He doesn't seem concerned about how he looks getting it done. Um, he is physical. You shake his hand, and that was you know Leslie and I were talking about shaking some of the kids' hands. Um, he's got man paws. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, without a doubt. Yes. Um, and and so, but that strength, right? So, I mean, first thing Roy Clark, you know, my former boss of the Braves, ever told me. I mean, well, two things. One was go find me some go find me some athletes. We'll make Braves out of them. And and he was talking about two sport guys, dual sport guys. And the second thing he said, Blaine, this is a strong man's game. Find kids that have hand strength. Find kids that have forearm strength. Find strong humans because to hold that wood bat and hit against guys throwing ninety six to last six plus months and one hundred and sixty games and one hundred and eighty days, like you need physical raw strength and. Uh, Nick has that in spades, but he's uh, he's a real professional approach type of player. Yeah, I really liked him, and the way you know his defensive portion of the workout was was okay. He bobbled one ball, I think it was on the backhand, uh, but in game he shows that athleticism and that ability to you know really kind of move around and, and get good reads off the bat, and he's active, and just really liked him. He's trans and he's transitioned. Um, in his junior year, so his sophomore year, where he played a significant role on the varsity team, uh, the Akalani's, he played the outfield. Um, they had a senior uh, playing third base that's now at Fresno State. Uh, so Nick Nick played the played a corner outfield spot, and so he's transitioned to what had previously been his his natural spot at third base there. 
Um, and so even, you know, even though they played 20 plus games near 30 games and, and he's been over there plenty, um, it still can take, take some time yeah. uh, to get used to being back where you were and, and, and fitting over there. And, and uh, so down the road, you know, whether he sticks at third and hopefully he can, um, he's also played enough outfield. So we're just talking about a player that's uh, real humble, first of all, but uh, he's got tools that can transition all over the diamond. But another one, he's good makeup guys. Yeah, no doubt. One of those guys that, that looks like a good makeup guy, just in chatting with him a little bit and uh, just watching him and observing him and, and just being around him a little bit. And, you know, as a guy that, that we were all pumped to see, at least I certainly was, see him again, Michael Brown. And, man, did, did he put on some sort of show or what? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Ryan, how, how, many, how, how often have you been around? around michael ryan so i saw michael in the uh, area codes last summer where he put on a show and then uh, you know i got to see a game for for vacaville this season where he really you know let loose the bat again um but i, I talking about those man paws man talk about a guy who's got humongous hands he, he wrapped my hand up when he shook our hand at the end of the <laughs> event uh when i was meeting him at the start of the event uh he's just a physical dude man and, and he's one of those grown men that's going to continue to keep keep getting bigger uh, but the show that he put on during BP was unbelievable, and then in game as well was 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 eye opening for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I love I, I love what you said there. He's a grown man, but man, he plays the game like a little boy, doesn't he? He, he always add a smile. He's yeah. just chatter, you know. He's just chatting up teammates. I mean, I I loved it. Just being around him on the field was, was and even beforehand. Uh, you talked about him shaking your hand. Blend, you and I were talking about that. And then, Ryan, I was standing next to you when he did that. And holy smokes, I got it twice. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he's just like a really nice kid, you know. Thank you. Yes, sir. No, sir. But, man, that bat, Blaine, that yeah. bat. <laughs> it's loud, man. It's it's loud, you know. And, and he was facing TJ Nichols. Um, and TJ throws it quick. He was up to 91, maybe 92. I'd, we'd seen 93 in the past. And Michael's tall, right? The physical conflict uh, – for me, he's a Dave Parker comp. I mean, he's six four, six five, two thirty, two thirty five in that range. Um, it's it's his it's his, and he's not as physical as he's going to be someday. We're talking about right. He's he not in a senior year yet. He's he shaped his body nicely in the last year or so. But that down in the zone below the belt, um, and TJ went there, uh, yep. and the ball didn't come. The ball didn't come back. No, um, didn't come back it, for a it, long time. It was it was high up in those trees. You know, usually we see we see homers, and this was wood bat, right? And the, and the noise was was uh, was the noise yeah. um, that you hear. And then you look, and you're looking towards the outfield fence, and you know you're looking just above the fence, and then you're like, oh, oh, whoa, whoa, that's at the top of the trees. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a moonshot, man, and and it was it was pretty impressive. Then he made a play the very next inning at first base where he stretched to pick a ball. I, Cause I was in the dugout with all the scouts and, and, and he was just kind of laughing. And one of the scouts is like, when you hit him that far, you can, you know, you can play like that. And it's just <laughs> like, no doubt, man, that guy, yeah. he absolutely just, just smashed balls. But Hey Blaine, how about, how about the back pick from Suzak to get the guy out at first base? Ooh. So Daniels, uh, he loves to throw, and I don't know how many, <laughs> Gosh, I don't know how many Jesuit games I saw this year. Uh, it was it was it was an abundance of them, um, it, it, from his knees, uh, back picks, uh, third base. Sec- I, I mean, I think twice during the regular season I saw him back pick guys at second base. And like, if, if you're the pitcher and you're not aware that and that he's going to do that, you are in some peril. Yes. Um, but his his ability to throw and get rid of it, uh, and he and Daniels, he's tall. I mean, he's a tall catcher. That's going to be something people are going to have to scrutinize. Do they want a catcher that tall? Because not every organization does um, or will. Um, but his ability to let it fly and his confidence to let it fly and his accuracy, uh, it is a blast to watch. You know, I thought that was the same idea with the uh, the pop times as we were doing the workouts. You know, he let loose the first couple, putting them on the bag, doing his you know normal stance, normal step and throw. Um, but every time on his last one from his knees, putting it on the bag, you know, it just showcases how much of an arm he really is. And that confidence, like you talked about, letting it show, you know, knowing there's 20 plus scouts there and going, hey, I'm going to go for my knees and put this right on the bag for these guys to see it. So, yeah, I, the, kids I had a second, the kids at a second base, but I was out there doing the, the camera work in the middle infielders. You know, it's funny to hear them receive the throws from some of those catchers. And he was one of them where you a lot of them haven't caught velocity throws from catchers at the velocity some of these kids were throwing in particular him and it really wasn't even his best he got up to 85 but which i'd seen uh, in games and in warm-ups and i know he's got a little bit more in there um but you could hear some of them go whoa 
I didn't expect it like that. Like it, they got handcuffed a few times because they hadn't, yeah. they hadn't yeah. <clears throat> received that kind of velocity. And I'd seen that in games, guys. I've seen, I've seen Daniel and, and a couple times in the season, I saw a kid steal third base and, and Jezza was rotating some different defensive players in a different positions. And there were a few throws that he threw on the money to third base that he threw past his third baseman because it was too hard. Wow. Yeah, and, it turned, and, it tur- and it turned into an error. And it turned into an air and a run scored. And it looks it, like if you think of it, you're like, ah, it's an air. But no, he just threw it harder than the kid was capable of catching. Yeah. And the thing is, I was standing behind the catchers doing the pop times. And uh, and you see some of the velocities. Like I, I mean, he got up to 85. Uh, I believe that was the top catcher velocity. And, okay. and there's just there's run on his throws. It's like it, it's crazy. There's there's life. There's carry, and and then there's some run on it. There is, and it's just and it's just it's it's crazy. Not a lot on it, but but it's just it's 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 on a rope. Man, and, well, and he, it's, he it's impressive. The other thing that really impressed me is his feel for hitting from the left side. Now uh, it's yeah. really it's really improved, man. Just from just from Fresno, where we saw him at the Easter Classic, to to, to Sunday, uh, it's really gotten a lot better just in that short period of time. I didn't recall seeing him hitting on the on the left under Fresno, but um, but I, I didn't. Even, I, I forgot to even dabbled in switch hitting, but that that round he took. Uh, MVP, where he just he just peppered the ball gap to gap. It was, it was really good to see. Yeah, it it, it was uh, it, it was impressive. And you know, let's go back to Nichols. We talked about obviously, he, you know, he gave that one up to Michael Brown, but and he was fine and, with it. By the way, he came off right. the field. He was like, yeah, I left in the wrong spot, didn't I? Yeah. I go, I go, TJ. When you throw it hard, sometimes it goes out hard. He goes, no doubt about it. Yeah, <laughs> he was, and he yeah. was. Yeah, and, 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 I mean, but he showed. I mean, he showed some. I mean, potential legitimate two-way ability, man. I mean, he ran a six, seven, eight. He had an eighty-nine exit velo, uh, you know. And then, like you said, he got up to ninety-two on the bump. And here's another guy that we saw, Blaine. You and I saw him at Buchanan in Fresno uh, in that game to close it out. And man, this is a guy that that could see his stock rise here pretty shortly. It's already right. It's already rising. And this was just one of those where where we got to assist him uh, raising his profile a little bit because he's long and he's lanky. Um, you think of a DJ LeMahieu type body, uh, maybe not quite as tall as LeMahieu. Um, and obviously, uh, but the, the tools like it, at that size and lankiness that he can run like that. The infield velocity didn't show as well as he can throw it. Maybe he was saving himself to get in the game. I mean, so but this was a kid that Sac State committed uh, primarily oh, like a year plus ago uh, as a great glove man. Um, we know he's going to catch the baseball. We know he's going to throw it across. We know we've got a guy that's going to elevate our pitching staff. And now all of a sudden, you know, people tell me during the season at Oakmont, hey, TJ's starting to you know sniff around 88. No, he's up to 90 this recently. Oh, and now – the, the man strength starts to come down the road a little bit. Uh, the tools were there. The size is there. The frame fills out. Next thing you know, uh, you got a big time guy and, and yeah, two way, perhaps, um, without a doubt. Uh, I, he's just he, good for him. He's got some tools to uh, continue to grow into. And, um, next June, he, he can move himself into the mix with everybody else, uh, at, at the top. I mean, he's that talented. Yeah, I I, I agree with that, with the two-way ability for sure. You know, some of the guys, I mean, who are some of the guys for you guys that, uh, you know, that's your area, obviously, and you guys are more familiar with these guys. You know, we'll leave the pitchers out because we'll break them down here in a bit. But, you know, who are some of the position guys that you maybe hadn't seen in a while or you saw during the season that you were pumped to see here uh, that that you got eyes on that, that you thought performed really well? Ryan, go ahead. I'll let you uh, lead off. Yeah, I mean, for me, the one guy, like I said, the CCS focus guys really stood out and Nick York was another one. Um, you know, the, the exit velo was 92 in the, the testing. Um, I know we turned on the gun for the board late for we were when we were doing BP, just kind of to see some exit velo there. Uh, and I remember hearing a lot of the scouts go, hey, can we get Nick York back in there just to see how what the exit velos were? Because, 
during his BP, man, he was just peppering balls. Uh, you know, a guy who's just got feel for the bat going right center, left center, and then showing his pop over the left center field fence, uh, off the scoreboard, um, and then gets into games. Talk about a kid who's just loose and, and has no issues with it. When I was talking with him, I said, Hey man, how's things been since, you know, you know, I saw him at the CIF or the CCS championship game. Ask him how things have been since then. He goes, "Hey, I haven't done anything with baseball. This is my first live pitching I'm going to be seeing." And I go, "Well, hey, this is uh, this is going to be some good test for you. You know, you're going to see some good velo." And he goes, "Okay, cool." He's like, "I'm ready to go." Uh, once he do, he goes and picks up two hits, a single up the middle, and then uh, a check sing, uh, swing that gets down the right field line, and he turns into an easy double. Um, you know, like we said, the the arm's still coming back to full strength, um, but the footwork, the the actions in the middle of the infield are, are top of the line. Um, just a top of the line kid as well. Uh, one of the things I also heard from him was he loves playing center field because he can yeah. go get the ball, he can go let loose. And that's one of those things that, you know, all that kind of goes into it. But he was another one that I always loved seeing. Uh, a guy who I haven't seen for a while but really stood out for me was Tyler Soderstrom, um, the catcher going to UCLA. Uh, man, his BP was one of those ones. that Talk about a professional BP, just really crushed the right center field gap. Dude, Easy he, was, he, he was, he was, yeah, he, he did. It's funny that, that, I mean, he was smoking them into that gap. And then he came in at his next round and then he starts smoking them into the next gap. And then, he came, then he came in his last round and he smoked them all over the yard. It was one of the most impressive rounds of BP, I think, on the day. Yeah, and for a guy that, you know, as big as he is, he's a good physical guy. And he ran a 7 60 um, as a catcher, you know, one of the top, top, pop times as well. Strong arm. Uh, just another guy that's going to UCLA that, you know, that class for them, hopefully they can get both these guys because, you know, those two guys right there and Petey Halpin and Soderstrom were both really standouts for me. Yeah, yeah, those guys are, they're big time dudes. Blaine, who, who do you have? Well, that catcher's group just in general, right? I'm sitting there looking at it, and, you know, we had five of the, the best, you know, uh, 10, 8 in, in the region. And that's probably, to me, it's the strongest uh, position in the region. And I'm looking at 198 to 201 from Soderstrom, and 196 to 98 from Omar Placentia, um, 196 to 203 from Cole Carrig, who was Soderstrom's teammate. At Turlock High, we're talking about two players that are elite at one position that are on the same high school team. Uh, both of them play third base very capably. Um, 198, 204 from Jacob Weiss at Atwater. It's a Pacific commit. Uh, Daniel Susak at 195 to 202. And these guys are on the bag. Um, you know, Weiss, Weiss jumped out at me. Uh, I had seen the defensive tools in the past. Uh, as the year is, last year has gone along, we had them at. Uh, uh, another event at Delta, I want to say it was the end of January, was our preseason event. Ryan, is that right? Yeah, that um, And he's, you know, he and he's a really interesting kid to talk to because he's he's been working at certain parts of his game slowly but surely all along. You know, arm strength is one that he has. I was talking to some guys. They asked if he was going to pitch the other day, and I said, no, I didn't even know he pitched. To be honest, they said, oh man, he can he can wing it up there. Like the guys from Hillmar because um, huh. they play in the same same area they, they, they know him and i said no he, he's never indicated he wants to pitch or throws it they're like uh you should see it someday so and he's got a really strong arm um but his, his bp uh i just remember the one round he took it, it was like four or five swings in a row that were on a line with no hook no slice in the left center field gap just clean like i remember saying to ryan i think it was you Ryan. i said man those are some clean swings yeah um, absolutely and so he's a player that doesn't have maybe the name profile uh, he was an area code underclass player last year so it's not like we're talking about somebody that just you know uh, grew on a tree and dropped down and, and, and appeared in front of us so um he was impressive uh, the whole catcher group in general obviously was impressive um but kevin uh not kevin uh, keith jones uh, yes. Alfredo from Hare. I know yes. one of Les's guys. I know how to get Les turned on. Yes, um, sir. So, so Keith Jones, uh, another uh, again. It's, it's almost redundant at this point. I was going to say another kid who smiles easy, great personality, easy going. But that's just about every single one of these guys. Um, I'd seen Keith play a number of times for Heritage. They had a great season. Uh, they got to the, the NCS final uh, where they ran into a buzzsaw named Kyle Harrison uh, and De La Salle Spartans. Um, Keith's a left-handed hitter, a lanky body type. Uh, he's, you know, he doesn't have that big swing, uh, loft angle, launch angle. He's got a pretty, pretty clean, flat, flat plane for the most part. Um, he was barreling baseballs well in BP. Uh, threw it uh, up to 87 from the outfield. Um, 89 exit on 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 the tee, and there's more in there. Ran a capable 709. 
uh, you know, the, the body's 6'2", 190, but I still feel like in being around him that he's still fairly lanky, that there's still there's still more size and strength to come. Um, but another gracious kid, another easy smiler, like I said. Um, but there's there's tools that are, that are that are there, and that left-handed power potential is something that has got a chance to really blossom. Yeah, and, and, and what I liked about him, it, just his overall athleticism in the outfield, right? I, I mean, the way he was moving around to go get to balls and, you know, the looseness of the arm, too. I mean, yeah. that's a guy, you talked about him not being done physically developing. I mean, that's a guy who you could easily envision. I mean, he's 6'2", 190 now. You could easily envision him at 6'4", you know, 215, 220 in five to six years. And, I mean, that's a guy that... Maybe a move to the mound? I mean, I don't know. That arm was pretty darn loose, but the bat, oh, man, I loved his second round of BP. He came up. I was taking video of it, and I just looked at him. I said, man, that was nice, and he just had a giant smile on his face, and he was, he, like you said, very gracious about it. Yep, yep. He's a, he's a fun one to dream on, and he was an area code underclass guy last year, and that's kind of when we started the list and looked at, you know, players we'd seen and we had sticked just that list we didn't ask everybody from that deal but he was another player that's you know he's he's built himself some some equity and now he's got to keep and they all do right you're you're known early uh but you got to keep improving you got to keep working at your craft you can't just say hey i was this kid at this age and i've got my college commitment squared away and now i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pack it in and just kind of roll through the rest of it these these guys are uh focused and and they have bigger goals in mind and uh you know he's he's one that it'll be fun next year to see where uh where, where Keith Jones has developed you from from uh, from this point. Yeah, you know, a guy that, that kind of falls into that category for me uh, from this event is Jariah Lewis. You know, he's another dude that, I mean, nowhere near a finished product, right? But, I mean, 88 mm-hmm. exit velo. Uh, he's got some strength. That, and he's, I mean, he's six foot, a buck 60. Uh, you know, he ran 725. You know, the arm strength may not be what it's going to be in the future, uh, but there are some tools there that are pretty intriguing. Uh, what do you, what's your guys' take on Lewis? Well, he's a kid that, um, so I saw, I've seen Dry play the last two years. So I first noticed him going out to see uh, his teammate Osiris Johnson last year. Yeah. And uh, so Jariah was, I want to say Jariah even hitting a four hole that game as a sophomore. Um, it was out at Alameda. They're playing Berkeley High, so I went to go see uh, Michael Dixon and uh, and Osiris in that game. And but Jariah uh, was noticeable. Um, and, you know, when we put together this roster, I was thinking of the kids with with certain tools that had stood out to me. And and yeah, some of his other tools. The run tool is a little better than that. I think underway on the field. Um, I've seen I've seen him better than that down the line. Um, you never know if a kid stretches properly. You never know if you get a good break or jump or what have you. So I don't know if that time was fully reflective of uh, of what he's got a chance to be. Uh, and obviously, arm strength is something to work on. He's bounced between the outfield and the infield um, in high school a bit. So you know, when he gets on a program to try and uh, figure out the arm slot and the way to throw that fits the position he's going to be at, which is still to be determined. But it's the life. It's the life in the left-handed swing. Um, it just jumps out at me, and I've, I've seen him square up some balls in games and go, man, that's a whippy short, like got a chance to be high-level contact, uh, flat barrel line drive getting type of kid. Yeah, he he, he was pretty impressive, uh, I, I thought. you know. To, He's uncommitted for those that yeah. are out there listening and yeah. to uh, yeah. know that and, not all these not- players are committed. And, and I, think, I think the guy, the next guy I'm going to talk about, who for me was probably – one of the the biggest eye openers the entire event trevin crowley i mean he's uncommitted too right yes he is yeah i mean that guy dude i mean that guy had just a really strong day that guy i think understood the the i guess magnitude for lack of better words of the event and went out and and I mean, that guy left it all out there, right? I mean, he was 91 infield velo, a 93 outfield velo on the bag, 84 mm-hmm. exit velo. Then he hopped on the bump and was 86 to 90, touch a 92 with a you know sharp curveball and, and good feel for the changeup. I mean, that guy was he was impressive. Yeah, yeah he is. He's definitely a, one. I know I've seen him a few times recently, and uh, every time I see him, the, the arm is just one of those things that stands out. And I think the, what you talked about with showing up and doing all three things, working out in the outfield, working on the infield, running good, uh, you know, a good 60, um, all that kind of comes into to, to play on this type of a situation, swinging the bat from the left side and showing some pop there. 
Um, you know, all that kind of comes in, but like you said, to end up on the mound at the end of the day, still touching 92 with all of that work being done, it just kind of shows the kind of athlete the kid is and, and the work that he's been putting in. Yeah, all that all that work, and it was about 112 degrees on that turf field. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't think it was that bad, but um, <laughs> it, it could be a lot worse. It was the next day, I can tell you that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, Tre- you know, it's interesting. Trevor, his father, sent me a, a text the night before. Um, he, he had pitched in a, a, their conference um, all-star game or their, 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 their region all-star game the night before. And I, I replied back to John and his father. And I said, you know, do you, do you save any bullets for him? I was, oh yeah, he'll be fine. So this is a kid that's really getting out, getting out there, getting after it. Uh, we saw him at a bear world series uh, the previous weekend. And again, same outfield, infield, 90 plus both, uh, 90 plus on the mound. Um, quarterback, uh, you know, the plays at a small school. Uh, they won a section title. He's a slightly built, slightly built guy. And, you know, I guess projection down the road, uh, you know, the tools are there to be a good defensive player. Obviously, you know, I, I don't know the, the, the raw strength uh, and, and the twitch is quite there in, in the hitting, hitting part of it. But I don't want to say that it won't be because we're talking about, you know, a kid is still probably 16 years old. Um, it's just on the mound. The arm is just so fast. And obviously back to back days to go to throw it that hard is that it's, it's a real legitimate tool. Um, and as he eases into figuring out how to be a pitcher versus a thrower, um, which is exactly. 95% of high school kids anyway. Um, he's, he's certainly, uh, he's certainly a talented kid. He is focused. Ryan, I'm glad you guys noticed that is that he's out there, uh, making a name for himself, not intimidated and not overdoing it. Um, talking in the dugout, not the loudest guy. Um, but talking the game, uh, confident, quiet, uh, laser focused eye kind of kid, um, fun, fun kid to watch. Yeah. And a, fun, and a fun kid to chat to, man. I mean, I was chatting with him a little bit and I mean, he was you, the, the biggest thing that you mentioned there was that he was loose. Like the moment was not, the event was not too big for him. Uh, and Blaine, a guy that you talked about on the preview who I felt came out and absolutely, uh, you know, falls into that same category of just being loose and moment not being too big for him. Left-handed pitcher, real Britain. Uh, that <laughs> guy, dude, that guy came out, opened some eyes. And, and Ryan, you were posted up behind the plate for the pitching part and the live game portion. Uh, you know, so break us down, break down real Britain for us because uh, I was bouncing back and forth from behind the plate to over the dugout to the open side to. Uh, you know, just kind of everywhere, get as many looks as possible. But man, real Britain opened some eyes, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he's a guy that I you know Blaine and I both saw last summer, and Blaine really, um, Blaine really saw him early and uh, really liked him, and kind of said, "Hey, keep making sure you see him as well." And, and then, like you said, being behind the mound, you get to see, or behind the uh, catcher, you get to see the way it comes out, and uh, it was just life jumping on hitters, um, running through the zone. Uh, the slider and the the curveball kind of blending a little bit together, getting some sweep on it, some late bite to the back foot. Um, the changeup was another one that was really good, 84 to 85 with some sink. Uh, but the frame itself is just one of those ones where it, it's going to keep getting better. Um, all the contact that he had during the game was really weak and then finish it with a, K, a fastball straight up through the zone that, uh, you know, was late through the zone and guys didn't have a chance to hit. Um, the arm works really cleanly, really well. Uh, another guy that I think was going to make a really good name for himself and, and should continue to keep doing that after a strong spring. He was but, really one of the ones I was excited to have there. Yeah, you, he was. I mean, you talked about him in the preview, and I think you talked about him as soon as he as soon as we were done with the event. You said, "I mean, that's a, that's as good as you've seen him, right?" That's a big league arm. So the whole thing, um, Ryan's right. We saw him in the summer, uh, summertime. I went out and saw him play this spring. The uh, Capital Christian was playing against uh, the conference rival Christian Brothers. Uh, he was starting that day. Uh, I just had his name circled. So he's this is uh, this is the one type of player, the pitcher, the arm action, the body, the stuff. He's still new to pitching fairly. Um, he's not been doing it that long, believe it or not. Um, that just he's he's where scouts really make their money. He's where scouts go out and see see a kid like this, and you just all of a sudden everything you envisioned that when a guy shows up in the big leagues, they look like this and they did this at this age, and it's just a piece of clay that you could you couldn't you couldn't script it any better. Uh, it's loose, he's strong, it comes out easy. He can throw his fastball by guys. He doesn't have to throw a lot of strikes. He gets a lot of swings at his fastball because there's such life on it. There's no comfortable at bats because he doesn't have really good command quite yet, but he can he can snap one off. 
Um, he throws easy. I mean, buttery smooth. I saw a couple of them scouts come from the dugout behind the plate when he got on the mound. They hadn't seen this kid. Exactly. They didn't know who he was. This was one that I, when I saw him pitch, you know, he got up to 86 or 87. I didn't care about the velocity. We get so caught up in velocity, this velocity, that. This is the pitcher that everybody goes, nope, that's the one. And if somebody tells me a year from now that he's blown past just about everybody else in the area and he's moved to a certain level of like notoriety uh, and drastic, I would not be shocked because this is the one where you go, this is, for lack of a better term, what they look like at this age. Blaine, to go with what you're saying, that it's absolutely the case, too, with the scouts when they were coming up. And, you know, I was running in the front desk and, and getting them checked in and giving them scout packs and stuff. And, and, you know, a couple guys that I had known were asking, hey, you know, who's a couple guys to kind of look at for pitchers and things like that? And Rio was one of those names I put out there. And you're right. Once he started throwing, guys were running behind to try and get some looks at it yep. uh, to see the velo from what it was. Uh, but what you're talking about with the ball through the zone is is very true. It's one of those ones that's tougher hitters to square it up because it's never straight. It's going up through the zone. It's going to their arm side through the zone, sink through the zone. Um, it's uncomfortable for any hitter, right-hander or left-hander, to try yeah. to get a good at bat against him. Like, Look, he's going to have to clean up his mechanics a little bit and stuff. He is, his hat flies off his head or he's got to get a tighter hat. I don't know. Or less <laughs> hair. He's got great hair. I don't know. But, I mean, no, I watch no, never, games where it's never always falling less off. Hair. Never less hair. Nevertheless, here that's a good point. <laughs> well, well said. But uh, you know, so coming up in uh, about a month from now is the area code uh, tryouts. Um, he's certainly going to be a player that gets invited out there. And it, for some of these kids, this was a great chance for them to um, you know earn that opportunity to uh, be known, be seen, and, and make a team and just change and maybe change their lives. And so he was again. I, I'm happy for him. He, he looked well. Uh, I was I was not nervous, but I was hopeful. I guess in a real positive sense that he would throw as well as he can. Um, Susack was catching him. So I, I kind of planned that out. I wanted Daniel back there um, to guide him through, uh, to call the right pitches, to just be a good presence for him back there. Um, so I was just really happy for Rio that he had such a good showing and I was happy for the scouts that got to see him. And again, it's what we tried to deliver to him. And I think we did a great job. Yeah, I, I certainly think he did a great job uh, on the mound. Another guy that I was really intrigued by who, uh, I didn't get to see in Fresno. I think uh, Ryan, I believe you saw him as Cameron Walty. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought he pitched really well in the game. Uh, you know that slider looks like it's got a chance to be a pretty special pitch. Yeah, that's the one pitch I circled as well. Um, you know, a guy who was one of those St. Mary commits who decommitted right before the event. Um, and he came out and pitched with some presence, man. He went out and he attacked the zone, um, gave up a weak single to start, got an easy ground ball, six, four, three, and then let loose that slider for the last, uh, last pitch or last at bat, getting a K. Um, and I agree, I agree with you a hundred percent. It had some late bite through it. 78 to 81. Uh, the fastballs got life. I, I remember when we were in Fresno and Blaine kept saying he's kind of got a little bit of a similarity to Jake PV and, you know, growing mm-hmm. up in San Diego and seeing a lot of Jake PV. I completely agree with that. Um, the run on it, the sink through the ball, uh, the life on it. It's just, it's one of those arms that I really was impressed with. And I think he's got another, uh, another jump in there as well. He probably does. I was behind the mound when he was warming up and throwing his warm pitches, getting that video and the ball comes out real crisp. Um, I got, so I was talking to his former, you know, he was formerly committed to St. Mary's and, and, I, and I'd spoke to a former St. Mary's head coach, Eric Valenzuela during the spring and was asking about some of his guys and some of their development. And I hadn't seen Cameron in a while and I had intended to get out to uh, Elk Grove to see them play. And he said, you know, uh, he's, he started to sniff a little higher on the, on the radar gun a little bit. And, you know, he was have he was a little bit, we're not worried, but, you know, conscious of that some of his players that, you know, if he was recruiting them, other other bigger schools would maybe jump on in there and try and snag it because Eric got such a good eye for pitching and he was he was super jacked about this kid. So I did make it out there to see them play against Franklin um, to go out and see. First of all, to go see Chase Davis and then to see him pitch. And you know he's an, he's he's a third baseman when he doesn't pitch, so he's a good athlete. Um, and in the dugout, so he was a little different than a lot of the other guys. I don't think he knew a lot of the other kids. Um, he knew a few. Um, not quite in a nervous, I think just kind of like in the zone. I remember talking to him, Hey, Cam, you all right? He goes, just get locked in coach. This is a big deal. So, um, you know, he took it real serious. Uh, but again, and that's, that's plenty good too, right? He was, this is an opportunity, opportunity. I have three hitters, uh, and I'm going to go make the most of it right here. Um, and, and good for him. Yeah. He can, he can spin one. Uh, he can make you look a little goofy. He can scissor, he can scissor effect you. He can make it go to the left-handed side and can run sink on you on the, on the arm side. So, uh, not a big body guy. Um, you know, uh, we got him, what, listed six foot maybe? I mean, he's, he, 
yes, maybe right. Yeah, it, it's close. It, he maybe was, so. right there. I'm not yeah. six foot white now. It's kind of. But anyway, that being said, in that's fine. Yeah, no, no problem fudging that a little bit. But uh, good arm, clean arm, works real easy. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I liked him. And the, the last guy uh, on the mound that that really stood out to me. Well, there's two. Uh, you know, Dalton Durasett, who I hadn't seen. Uh, and I was pretty impressed with his outing. Just a real bulldog kind of gets after guys, gets on top of hitters, and uh, just doesn't let them go. But, uh, you know, one of the uncommitted guys that, uh, you know, decommitted the day before the pro case, so that's Isaac Aon. And, I mean, I just, Blaine, you talked about him being kind of that prototypical pitcher's body. And, I mean, every time I see him, I, I just like him more and more. I And it's not so much you know, anything that he does mechanically, but it's just the way he attacks guys and gets after guys and just competes on the mound. Yeah, he does that. You know, mechanically, it's a little bit, a little bit jerky at times, right? It's not the smoothest, but the ball comes out of his hand. Nice. Uh, comes out with some life, this heaviness of the fastball. He can, he can definitely spin it. Um, he doesn't mess around. Uh, he is out there to throw it across the plate and get you out over the plate. Um, he's there to compete. Uh, and yeah, the body is, he's one when you get next to him, you can, he feels, he feels a little bigger when you're next to him than he does, uh, when you're observing him with your eyes from maybe outside, outside the fence. Uh, he got, he got some body physical presence. And then Dura said, of course, is he's a, a large, strong young man. Uh, he's, he's one when you, when I, when you smack his shoulders and, and uh, just kind of get a get a feel of his physicality uh, that and, and laser focused eyes. He was there to uh, he was there to do some damage. Um, he was excited. He sent me a nice message after. He said, "Man, it's been a while, Coach. Thanks a lot." You know, said it was fun being out there with some real dudes today. Um, so he he had a lot of fun with it, and I think he he did the best he could do. And you know, he was again he was an area code underclass guy last year, so not certainly not a a big name. He's at a small school in the Central Valley. Um, uh, what, Central, Central Catholic, Catholic in, Mod- yeah. in Modesto, and you know they've had a player or two over the years, um, but yeah, yeah Dalton, football player uh, too, right? Quarterback, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a big. That's, I wouldn't want to hit him. That's a big no. kid. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, he, he, he's a big dude. Um, well, guys, man, I think that you know that that kind of wraps up everything uh, here for the NorCal Pro Case, and does I it? Thought, well, well, I mean. Unless there was a last pitcher. There was a pitcher that got out there at the end that oh, came wait, out. Wait, wait, you're right, you're right, you're right. My apologies, my apologies. Like, go, go ahead. Who is that guy? Well, Tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, so Kyle Harrison, and you know, Kyle's not unknown. Um, Kyle's name is is mentioned among the top you know pitching prospects in the nation in his grad class, certainly the left-handers. And um, Kyle drove out, and he was he really just wanted he wanted to throw a pen. He wasn't. He had taken some time off since uh, since the section final. Um, he had thrown, but he hadn't been in any competitive scenarios yet, and he's ramping up some some big things he's doing this summer across the nation, um, working on raising his profile in front of the uh, really not the, the area guys. It was important to see him, um, but but bigger brass than that. And uh, so he drove out, and, and he he was the last pitcher to take the mound. We just had him throw a pen, you know, live in front of the scouts. Um, Susat caught him there. Uh, that was a lot of fun, but you know, just. Like, that's a strange environment, right? Facing hitters is something these kids are used to doing, but Kyle's got such steely nerves, man. This kid has got such a love of passion of competing, and he's so confident, um, yet relaxed. And he got out there, and he threw his 15 to 20-pitch pen, threw all his pitches, worked easy. He wasn't concerned with how hard he was throwing. Um, I think, you know, in, a, in his pen session, he's up up around 90. Obviously, I've seen 93. I have no doubt that he'll get bump higher this summer as it goes along. But, uh you know the the guys that were there in the dugout, the the area guys. He was Kyle was certainly one of the ones that was uh, expected to be out there, and I said I would would get him out there and, and appreciate him and his father uh, making that trip out. And I know that I know the pro guys were uh, were super excited to see him, um, watch him just work through that that pen uh, on the main mound though, right? It wasn't in a bullpen; it was on the main mound. So he's throwing a pen on the main mound in front of a bunch of people in kind of like a meat market scenario. Yeah, um, totally you know, was right. Being I, I, eyeballed. I, I, yeah, I, I stood on I, I stood on the open side there and and got some video of it and you're able to slow it down and and man when I you look at his just his mechanics and his delivery and how clean that arm is and how repeatable it is and he was uh, you're right I don't think he was letting it loose but I no. mean it was just a clean pen uh, and, and you know the combination of him and Suzak there to close it out was uh, a great way to close it out I thought 
Yeah, it was. It put a nice little bow on it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. The other pitch, I just want to give one little one little shout out here. Just one. Joey Soberon, please. Is yeah, it Soberon? Yeah, yeah. My, that was my bad. I I left him off for a second. And you're right. He came out. Go ahead, dive into him because he came out and showed really well. Joey, my apologies. I, I think it's his. Well, even I told him in the dugout, "Hey, you just bumped a ninety. He goes, "I did." Um, so Joey's never been about right. Like the biggest velocity, big, strong kid, good frame, uh, put together. Well, um, he, when St. Mary's committed him, you know, last year was, it was ba- really his bulldogness and based upon his, uh, his usability of secondary pitches, like, uh, a, a, a big, hard sweeping, um, breaking ball. And he broke out a change up the other day. It was really nice, but the change the ball was come- yeah, the ball was coming out of his hand though. Chris, like there was life through the zone. It was like a little bit of explosion at the end. And uh, I, I saw a number of swing throughs at his fastball. The guys thought they were on, and then they came back to the dugout, and they were kind of shaking their head at it. So this was a player that in this environment, um, uh, he, he took a little, whether it was the juice of it, I don't know. Uh, maybe he's just evolving, which is certainly likely. Uh, but he, he, was, he was good. Those ugly swings you're talking about, uh, Blaine, were definitely something that I noticed as well. Because you know that's always one of the things that you talk about with pitchers is is how do the hitters respond to it? Oh, and yeah. The hitters did not like it. You know, it was one of those ones you saw, like you said, bats coming out and sorting out, trying to just get out of it because they're like, well, that's I'm not hitting that pitch. So uh, Joey looked great. Um, another guy that was a St. Mary's commit who all of a sudden at the last second, uh, I think between the start of the event and the, the his pitching, he decommitted and was out there. And uh, another guy that looked like he was intent on going out. And, and performing you know he picked up two strikeouts a week four three um that changeup was one of those pitches you know i didn't see the curveball in the games but he showed it during the uh, i don't think he had time to get to it yeah, <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you know, one of those other pitches where he just had the bottom to it um it was late uh, it was at the plate and the, the fastball as well so those two pitches for him really showed well you know when you go against bat- uh, batters and can go fastball change up and get three outs real quick and easy um you know that's impressive stuff right there yeah like they say the hitter will tell you how good your stuff is and his stuff was pretty good the other day yeah it was and joey again my apologize i apologize for for that little that little slip up there and uh, then we got yeah. one last guy i was going to finish it i know we can yeah. talk about all of them but i missed sure, it. i yeah. talked about cole carrick a little bit earlier you know the catcher from turlock and also third yep. baseman and, and what we didn't mention his profile that makes him stand out uniquely amongst the, the catcher's class so in this catcher's class that i love to keep raving about you know susak is a is a right right um powerful bat big time power potential uh soderstrom's a left-handed hitter so that's obviously obviously a, a well sought after um physical profile for a catcher uh cole is a little bit different right he's a switch hitter um yeah. and a good one uh, he's an athletic kid he's put together real well um he can play any position on the field i have seen him play third base shortstop catcher and i've seen him pitch and he's mid upper 80s on the mound um chose not to pitch he said no nah, i do pitch but i'm not going to pitch out here today coach and um you know so he was another fun one in the dugout he's focused he likes to get after it but that's a that's a it's a switch hitting catcher with uh with a strong arm um with good pop times, good accuracy, uh, infield velocity, 88, uh, behind the plate, you know, low eighties, uh, pop times low as one nine six. So that, that switch hit profile, uh, it's pretty good, pretty darn good. Yeah. especially when you're registering an exit velo of 90 from both sides, both sides. That, that's, that's, that's pretty impressive. It's funny before, before the event got started, uh, he was warming up or stretching out or something. And, uh, I walked over to him. I said, Hey man, I said, I saw a video of you dunking a basketball on a breakaway and he just kind of chuckled and, you know, shyly just like, yeah. Uh, and one of the guys is like, man, you could dunk. And his eyes lit up was like, Oh, I dunk every day. And I said, man, <laughs> get the guy, the guy's just an athlete, right? I mean, it's just super athletic uh, guy headed to San Diego state. So I'm yep. glad you brought, I'm glad you brought him up because he, he was, he was really good. Uh, but, uh, but who else did I miss Blaine? No, nah, we didn't miss it. We're, we're yeah. talking about it. Ryan, who you got? Yeah. You hit them all on the head, man. I think the one guy that I want to do bring up is Omar Placentia again. That's where I was at, too. That's one yeah. of those guys that, Les, you and I, we keep asking ourselves on the events when we see him, how, how the kid's uncommitted. I don't know, but, uh, man, this the tools are really, really good. Explosive type of tools. Yeah, yep. I, mean, I don't know that he's quite six foot one ninety, but he's definitely all of one ninety. But yeah. dude, his pop times—I mean, his throws were on the bag. They were just—I I mean, it was really, really uh, something else. I, I, was, I liked him, Kenny Desell. I really liked him. You—you you talked on him a bit, Blaine, in the preview about being a basketball player, just kind of figuring things out on the baseball field, and 
man, you can really, really see his athleticism uh, on the field. Brian McClellan from Vacaville as well. I really liked him. I just, I think I kept telling both of you guys that, that I'm in on that. Headed to Cal. Uh, you know, really, really thought he he showed well. Uh, I thought Cole Tremaine uh, showed pretty well as well uh, overall. Uh, Jack Grant showed us a little bit more bat, bat yes, juice than I thought sir. he had. Yes, yes, I liked snapped, him. He was in the barrel nice. Yeah, he he was he had really good BP, and then he was you know intriguing on the infield as well. I mean, the, when we did the turns of the double play, when he was at second. His hands were fast, man, and his throws, he was able to turn the double play from that side no problem. Yeah, he's definitely a middle infield athlete. He was talking on the side over there. He's like, man, I'm going to go show off my spin moves out here. I'm going to show off my backhand. So you know he's got some confidence in there as well. Yeah, really. yeah, and he was an early commit. When, when UCLA committed him early, kind of like Nichols with Sacramento State, it was that, hey, we, we trust we've got a good glove man here. And if he grows into the rest of the stuff, then we got even a better player. But uh, we trust that he's going to definitely catch the baseball and uh, – play ucla type defense no yeah no doubt he's certainly capable of doing that uh well guys man i really appreciate you guys carving out some time uh you know i know we're we're deep and this is just kind of kicks off the post event coverage uh we'll have much more on prep baseball report dot com slash california we'll be rolling out all sorts of content here in the next days weeks uh to follow up on this awesome event so be sure to check that out so ryan blaine appreciate you guys coming on uh, and thanks we'll for coming talking. up and checking out our crew. Yeah, Les, yeah. thanks for having you guys guys up there. I want to thank Ryan Ozella and Blaine Clemens for joining me to break down the NorCal Pro Case. Be sure to check out PrepBaseballReport.com for all your news, information, and updates. Hit us up on Twitter at PBR underscore California and on Instagram at PBR California. Until next time, we'll see you at the yard.